0: Hi everybody, I'm Sabri Benishore from Marketplace, and I'm Tim Fernholtz from Quartz, and this is Actuality.
1: Squirrel? No, we're looking for the interstate. You sure you don't want one? We do not want a squirrel. Now do you or do you not know where the interstate is?
0: There's actually no reason for me to play this except that it's my favorite movie. It is from Rat Race, which it's from a scene where Kathy Bates sends two people off of a cliff because they didn't buy squirrels from her. And this is relevant because if Tim wanted to watch it right now, what I th- did you find? I thought it
2: was relevant just because I was not supposed to mess with Kathy Bates. No, it's relevant because I would have to mess with Kathy Bates, in fact. To watch this movie online. I wanted to to stream it, but it's not on Netflix. Or I could just download it for free within an hour off a site called BitTorrent. Which is illegal. Which is illegal. Kathy Bates would not get any money. She might want to send me off a cliff. And And it's a little janky to use. I mean, it's a little, not janky, it's a little tough to use. It's a little tough to use. It can be a little embarrassing. Um, The BitTorrent sites have really nasty advertising. Oh, like a lot of porn stuff. Porn stuff, sure. (laughs) But what <laughs> what matters here is that there is new technology out there that is letting people use BitTorrent and get free video and films, and it is a real threat to businesses like netflix like hbo that are trying to
0: sell their video content online that's what we're going to be talking about this week digital media and online piracy it caught the attention of both the courts and marketplace newsrooms and tim you have brought over someone from courts who noticed this who's here to help us out john mcdooling our man on the streaming media beat he noticed that in the netflix investor letter this year
2: they said that piracy is still their biggest competitor and cited this application it's called popcorn time
0: as one of their
3: main threats.
0: John, uh, what was the last thing you illegally downloaded from
3: Popcorn Time? I'm actually one of those suckers who pays for everything that they they watch. But Popcorn Time sort of emerged about a year ago out of nowhere. Uh, but the sort of catalyst for me to um, get really interested in it was the fact that Netflix uh, mentioned it in their their quarterly earnings release as a serious competitor to them, particularly in Europe, in places like the Netherlands, where it's actually you know, by some measures, actually bigger than Netflix in that country.
2: Uh, We found, or I should say John found, someone who can tell us how Popcorn Time works. Someone who is one of the programmers who works on it, and he's also their spokesperson. And we have him right here with us. His name is Robert English. How are you doing today, Robert? Good, you? I am spectacular, and I'm excited to hear about Popcorn Time. Yeah, can you just explain
0: how it works?
1: Well, Popcorn Time, when you open up the app, it just loads up a list of movies or TV shows from external places somewhere else on the internet. So basically what Popcorn Time itself does is it just lists all the content that you would already find online in a pretty nice, neat interface. And then from there, you just select what you want and it'll start streaming it right to your computer. And it doesn't use any typical streaming method. It just uses the torrent. People have to go download the movie and then each person has the ability to send a little piece of that uh,
2: can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, if I was to go on a torrent search engine and look for, like, a movie to download, is this the same sort of library of content Popcorn Time gets at, and how does it make it stream?
1: Yeah, actually, it is the same kind of library of content. It's the same kind of content you'd find if you started searching around for content on other torrent sites. We rely on other torrent sites to get our listing. And as for how we make it stream, um, the torrent protocol has... It has this feature where you can ask it to download the front of the file before it downloads anything else where it prefers to download it like it's streaming, and that's how we do it
3: and Robert, who actually operates popcorn time, who owns the infrastructure that underpins it, and who who funds the operation
1: we're kind of a group of people who work together in a way where anyone else can contribute. As for who funds it, it's a couple members of the team once again. So it's mostly just the team working together to try and bring those people out of pocket.
3: And Robert, obviously you've built something that's tremendously popular. Millions of people, or it's estimated that millions of people around the world are using it. Netflix is talking about you. But you don't have any business model and you're not making any money out of this this operation at all. Is that is that right?
1: Yeah, that, that's right. And We're not making any money. We don't have anything to sell. There's no advertisements in the app.
3: Do you, and why, can you explain why that is?
1: Because we're not really looking for any kind of money. It, it, it's more about just driving home the fact that we're here for the community rather than anything else. And we're here to make an application the community wants rather than what can be profitable by a business. I doubt Popcorn Time will ever be monetized.
0: Are you guys at all afraid that you're going to get in trouble?
1: Some people on the team are afraid that trouble could come their way either because of people who want to lay a heavy hand or just law, uh, some of us aren't very afraid, uh, obviously, my name's everywhere, so I'm one of the ones that care a little bit less
0: I mean, look, Netflix and plenty of entertainment lawyers would say what you're doing is illegal, you're allowing people to steal content. What do you guys say to that?
1: you know what? We say right on our website that using popcorn time in your country may be illegal, and it's up to you to decide whether or not you want to use the application.
2: I think that's that's one issue, but let me ask you about something that I think maybe is a little more tangible on this front. You know, obviously, like, a lot of people are going to use popcorn time to watch a movie and not pay for it. Do you think that there's some moral principle about people being compensated for that sort of thing?
1: You know, there may be a moral principle about it. Obviously, again, it's up to people who actually take the content to decide if they want to put the money back. Some people will find alternate routes of putting the money back, like, I don't know, going out and buying a t-shirt or something like that, but it's up to the user at the end. Now,
0: you guys, though, aren't the creators of Popcorn Time. The original creators left a year ago, possibly because of pressure from the Recording Industry Association of America.
1: Even if that's the case, um, now the website's flooded with different copies. Obviously, ours is one of the more popular copies. But um,
3: And, because and it does
1: a, have most of the original people that we're working on at the beginning, even if it's not the first few.
3: Because it's an open source project, it's, it's, it's pretty hard to stop, basically.
1: Yeah, it, it's kind of hard to shut down an open source project because anyone can throw up a copy at any time and just keep on working, right?
3: All
0: right, thanks, Robert. Really appreciate you talking to us. No, no problem. Robert English is a programmer and spokesperson for Popcorn Time Guys, my question is this. It's obviously illegal to download or stream content that you don't pay for. But what basically can anyone do about it? So we have Professor James Grimmelman from the University of Maryland Law School here. Hi, Professor. Hello. It seemed like decades
2: ago when Napster was the poster child for this sort of thing, has it become harder for lawyers? Like if you're the Motion Picture Association of America, are you just going insane with this like
4: global game of whack-a-mole? Uh, file sharing litigation of the 2000s had two effects. First, it burned this ecosystem to the ground, took away a lot of user-friendly options, and drove people to the sketchier world of torrenting. And so you get an opening for services like Popcorn Time to come in and make the experience friendly and actually pretty reasonable for the average consumer again. And the second thing it did is it blew away the safety of people who actually run services that help you do all this. So the modern services aren't a website that directly connects users. It is people who make software that everyone else downloads, and then all of the users collaboratively create a network that exchanges the files. And it's much harder to go after people who've just developed the software, because they can honestly say, well, if you threw me in jail tomorrow, it wouldn't stop the file sharing.
3: Has anyone actually been convicted in the U.S. for using it to torrent services? I know there's been some issues in places like Sweden, but in the U.S., has there ever been any successful legal action by copyright owners against this?
4: Well, against the individuals who download, there was that ill-fated litigation campaign that the music industry put on in the mid-2000s, and they discovered that suing your customers, while it would lead to settlements and bring in a little bit of money, was just incredibly bad PR. So copyright owners, for the most part, have really tried to stay away from litigation against the people who actually use these things. It's generally only independent movie studios and pornographers who are willing to take the hit of filing those suits. Going after big-time site operators, it's a little more publicly palatable, but it's hard.
0: Well, how much of a threat do you think this sort of new situation poses to the entertainment industry compared to the the original threat of Napster to the music industry? And where would the entertainment industry go from here?
4: Well, to get a sense of what's going to happen to video entertainment, we can look at what happened to music because there's basically the same trends only about a decade later because video files are so much bigger than music files it took longer people to get into the habit of getting them online. So the music industry is basically been burnt to the ground as far as direct sales go. That is not the big stream of revenue anymore. There's a lot more going on in terms of streaming, because of the convenience in the large catalog, and a lot more going on in terms of live performances. If you're thinking about making feature films, well, you're not going to be able to crowd that many people into an auditorium night after night to watch you put on a $60 million production. So that option that works for music doesn't work so well for TV. where You don't have the equivalent of concerts. I can see the idea that a Netflix, someplace that offers a big catalog, could do well. Sports are going to be okay because people are interested in the live streaming. But it's hard not to see the value of the backlist just dropping and dropping and dropping in a world where it's just impossible to stamp out the
0: downloading. I mean, I will say there's one thing that... The Netflixes and the Hulu's have on their side, which is even popcorn time can be a little janky. Like if there aren't enough other people to stream from, it can be pretty slow. And then there are places like Project Free TV where you can watch Game of Thrones within 30 minutes of it airing on HBO. And, you know, that can be sort of riddled with ads or weird malware so I feel like that's one place that the Netflixes of the world can offer a certain alternative in quality.
4: I think you're right that authorized licensed channels can offer a convenience, a comfort, and an assurance of safety that sketchier alternatives may not always be able to keep up with. But it's also a bit like complaining that a restaurant is crowded when it first opens. Over time, they hire more staff and get better at what they do. And it's hard to see these downloading services
0: getting worse. So the trend is not favorable for TV industry. James Grimmelman is a professor of law at the University of Maryland. James, thanks so much. Really appreciate you coming on.
4: Oh, it's been a pleasure.
0: So, Tim, John, what do you guys think?
4: I mean, I
2: want to make the case for the software pirate as the invisible hand of the market. Because what we're seeing, what we've seen since Napster is that the real evolution in online content delivery comes first in the form of a group of people online creating a way for themselves to share content among their friends. It blows up, becomes massively popular, and the industries behind these entertainment sources have to adapt and find a way to meet their viewers where they are and charge the prices they're willing to pay. pay. It's sort of the competition that they needed to make this happen. And I think – Before they're trying to interrupt me, I won't let them. I'm going to monologue forever. (laughs) The last thing is just that it really throws a wrench in their system when their competitor is also just not
0: interested, apparently, in making any money. Well, that's, that's the thing. I mean, I think exactly right. But what I think is a little bit different this time around is there's not a whole lot further that... Netflix can go to meet the simplicity and convenience of the Popcorn Times. And, like Tim mentioned, Popcorn Time has zero interest in making money. So you put those two things together, and I find it hard to imagine how they will
3: compete. And
2: I think that's what James is saying, is that he basically thinks that the major motion picture is going to go extinct.
3: I, for some reason, I can't see that happening. So that leads me to believe that the MPAA and the Hollywood Studios are, uh, sooner or later are going to respond to this because I, I can't, certainly can't envisage a future without the movie.
0: Yeah.
2: Famous last words. <laughs> uh, and then just the final party in all of this, the users of Popcorn Time. John, do you think that they're going to get in trouble when the MPAA or whoever else decides to fight back against this?
3: I guess that's the big question. James mentioned that the music industry made a big mistake when they started going after their consumers. If they can figure out a way to do it and not, not not make a huge public relations mistake, I'm sure that they will.
0: You know how I think they're going to find a way to do it? I think the key thing about the music industry that made it difficult was to go after a consumer disrupted the loyalty and relationship between a consumer and, you know, say Metallica. In the case of movies, you'd have the same thing if, for example, it was Tom Cruise suing a downloader. But it's going to be like the recording industry of America or – MGM. And no one really has an affinity or a relationship with MGM or the Motion Picture Association. So basically, they may not care as much that it's a PR disaster.
3: I think that's true. so until the cast of Game of Thrones, until Khaleesi from Game of Thrones starts warning you about (laughs) using popcorn time, you're probably going to be safe for a while longer.
0: Awesome. Uh, John, thanks. Thanks very much. John McDooling is a reporter at Quartz. Uh, so before we go, we want to just take a moment for something completely unrelated. At Quartz, we have a concept called surprising discoveries. They're
2: an item that we report on, uh, just sort of fresh bits of surprising news. And today is pretty relevant since apparently big budget movies are dead and are going to be replaced by films made by small groups of people. The news today is that some big European cultural institutions, specifically uh, Versailles in France and Britain's National Gallery, have banned the use of selfie sticks, the wand of narcissists. Hallelujah. 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 That's what I say. I am torn because I want to hate selfie sticks, too. I really do. But I take selfies. What is the difference, ultimately, of taking a selfie of yourself and using a stick to augment it?
0: I think the difference is that if you take it with your hand, it has a certain authenticity to it saying, I am here and I am taking a picture of myself. Handcrafted, if you will. Handcrafted. And, but if you use a stick, not only is it just vulgar, it's also broadcasting to everyone around you that it doesn't. Well, well, I'll tell you what, the real ethical monstrosity of photography is people using iPads to take photos. I want that to stop. I can't disagree with you. You can send any selfie stick related hate mail to us, by the way, at mpqz at marketplace.org. If you want to know more about
2: popcorn time, uh, entertainment law or digital piracy, check out marketplace.org or qz.com that's where quartz lives and while you're there sign up for the quartz daily brief
0: it is the perfect way to start your day and holler at us on twitter i'm at sabritri and tim is at tim fernholz with a z our theme song is from jake gorski thank you also to our producer claire Tennisgetter and our overlords at marketplace and quartz you've been listening to actuality the marketplace quartz podcast we'll
2: be back soon with more stories from around the world see you then I guess we probably won't see you
0: S- hear you speak at you then <laughs> bye